Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, folks. It's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Greetings, listeners. I'm glad to be back with you today, and I'm now with Paul Fortune, who is a mindset coach. Paul was born with cerebral palsy, and it was so severe that the doctors told his mom that he would never be able to walk again. Thank goodness for a wonderful mom and a great mindset that wasn't his story. He was able to overcome it and is now able to live a very active life. It wasn't easy, however, to get to that point. Today, as a mindset coach, Paul shares his story with his clients to help them rewrite their own stories to go after their true dreams and desires. So, Paul Fortune, welcome to the show. So happy to have you with me. Thanks, Bob. I appreciate the, the opportunity to come on your podcast, and I look forward to our conversation. Absolutely. So, Paul, you have a fascinating story. I'm going to ask you to share with us your backstory first before we get down to some of the nitty-gritty about how change takes place. But tell us about how this all began for you. Okay, excellent. So if your viewers don't know what cerebral palsy is, it's lack of oxygen in the brain at labor. And as a result of this lack of oxygen to the brain at labor, it can leave one side of the body paralyzed and it could affect your speech. And these are all permanent things. This does not go away. So when I was born, I wasn't moving the right side of my body very much. And naturally, my mom was very concerned about that. So she took me to the doctors to get testing done. And as a result of the testing that was done, the doctors concluded that I, I suffered from cerebral palsy. And at the time, the doctors thought it was so severe that they thought I would never be able to walk. And it would be a good idea when I got to a certain age to get me ready to be in a wheelchair because that was going to be my life going forward. Well, thank goodness for a great mom. That wasn't my story. She got a second, third, fourth, fifth opinion, found a physician that was willing to help me. And with this physician's help, I was doing physical therapy five to six times a week. And with this help, I was able to walk at age three. Now, I don't really remember that, but obviously that was a huge feat because all these other doctors thought I would never, ever be able to walk. But I do remember being put into soccer around five or six. And at the time, I could probably run 25 to 50 yards. And obviously, the other kids could run laps around the soccer field and actually play soccer. And I'm basically just standing there. And I remember going into my mom going, this is ridiculous. I don't want to play soccer anymore. I'm basically staying there. I'm making a fool out of myself. And these other kids are playing soccer. And I don't want to be there anymore. 
And remember what my mom told me, and it's kind of been mantra of my life going forward. My mom told me that if I didn't want to play soccer tomorrow, that was fine, but we need to honor our commitment. So you need to finish out that soccer season. And if you don't want to play soccer anymore after that, that's your prerogative. And so that's what happened. I'm 40 years old now. I've never played soccer since after finishing that, that soccer season. But I got a big break when I was probably about six or seven years old. I got surgery on my right foot to tighten up the tendons, to give me a little bit more spring in my step when I walked and ran. And I didn't know how big of a game changer this was going to be. I, I remember changing schools around this time. And I remember my first day of PE, physical education. We did our stretches and the teacher said, OK, run a lap. And I'm thinking to myself, here we go again. I'm going to run 25 to 50 yards and I'm going to have to stop. And these kids are going to see that and they're going to start to tease me. But because of the surgery, it was different. I was able to go past that point where I normally have to stop. And I remember saying to myself, come on, Paul, you got this, bud. Keep going, keep going, keep going. And I finished the lap with the other kids. On the outside, I kept it cool. But on the inside, I was like, yes, yes, yes. It was the first time in my life, in my young life, that I fit in. I didn't stand out. And because of the surgery, things did get easier for me. But I wouldn't consider me easy. I switched schools again around 12 or 13. So I was in middle school, junior high. And that's just a tough age. These kids have been going to school with each other for, for years now, and they already formed their cliques. So just being a new kid alone, breaking into that environment is going to be tough. Well, I was a new kid walking with a limp, holding my right arm differently. Uh, so it was even tougher for me. So when I went into the school, I, I was bullied and teased quite a bit. And uh, it, it was a poor experience for me. And on top of this, uh, when I got into the uh, start of eighth grade, I had, I had taken an assessment test to get into the high school I, uh, that my mom wanted me to go to because I was raised Catholic, so she wanted me to go to a Catholic high school. So I had taken an assessment test to see where they were going to place me. Well, I must have bombed the test because when I met with that uh, principal and my mom, the principal says we're going to put Paul at the lowest level possible. And I don't expect much from him. He does not seem like he's going to be college material. So now, not only am I bullied and teased in school, now I feel like I'm stupid. So I'm crying myself to sleep most nights going, why me? Why do I have to be different? Why can't I just fit in? And I don't know what really came over me, Bob, but midway through my eighth grade, I was sick and tired of feeling angry and sad all the time because I knew those weren't my go-to emotions, but because in the environment I was in, those were the emotions that were coming up most of the time, anger and sadness. So I thought to myself, what could I do to change those, those things? What could I do to distract me from these feelings? So I thought, what if I set a goal for myself and I could focus in on the goal and kind of ignore that outside noise that's been going on in my life all through junior high there? And I thought, what could I do? And at the time, I loved baseball. So I said, why don't I try to make my varsity baseball team in high school? So I started playing fall ball, winter ball, spring ball. And if I wasn't doing that, I was throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And the great thing about this goal that I, I set for myself, I started to gain confidence in myself. I had my shoulders back, my head up. I started to send a different energy out to these kids. And as a result of this new energy I was sending out to these kids, they were sending a different energy back towards me. In other words, instead of bullying and teasing me, they started rooting for me and wanting me to, to complete this goal. So my middle school to junior high career was much, much different from my high school career, all because of this energy shift. 
And I'm happy to say I was able to make my varsity baseball team as a junior and a senior. And in my senior year, I was able to pitch a three-hit shutout where they poured the Gatorade on me after the, after the game. And I felt so alive. I felt so good for myself. Then I graduated high school. And I, and I started to think about that goal I set about you know making my varsity baseball team. Because at the time when I made that goal, I thought that was going to be near impossible goal to make. Man, I, Somebody with cerebral palsy making a baseball team, varsity, forget about it. I thought it was just a way to distract myself. But I was able to do it. So I really started to think about what that principal said to me years earlier about not being college material. See, through high school, I pretty much mailed it in. I just did enough to stay eligible to play baseball because I thought in the back of my head, what's the point? I'm not college material. Why waste my time to work any harder than that? So I just did that. And I graduated high school. And, and uh, I thought, well, I just made this goal. Baseball, I completed it. Why can't I set another goal for myself to say that I am college material? So I enrolled into a junior college because I was the only place that would accept me at the time. I got myself a math tutor, a regular tutor, and I went to the math lab. And I did this pretty much five days a week. I did everything necessary to increase my grade point average. So I took my barely a 2.0 all the way to 3.5 with all this work I was putting in. And as a result of me putting it to a 3.5, I was able to transfer to a four-year university where I was able to graduate college. And I so wanted to go back to that principal and say, see, see, you were wrong. I was college material. But in the end, I should probably thank her because... I, her voice was playing in my head over and over again, all through college to motivate me to really hit the books hard. So I don't know if, if she would have said that to me. I don't know how hard I would hit the books because of that. So in the end, I should thank her. So now I'm, gosh, what, 22, 23 years old. I have no life experience whatsoever. I have no idea what the heck I want to do with my life. And uh, I had a family friend who was a CEO of a small bank. And he said, why don't you, why don't you become a mortgage loan officer? I'll hire you. And I'm like, I got nothing going on. Why don't I do that? So he hires me and I get into this, this, this new place, new, new employment, and nobody wants to talk to me. Everybody's shunning me. I'm sitting alone at lunch. I haven't felt this way since I was in middle school. And I quickly realized what the issue was. They all knew I knew the CEO and they knew it was because of the name I knew and it wasn't because of the talent. So what they were going to do is they were going to chew me up and spit me out because I did not belong there. And I quickly realized that. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to prove them wrong. So I had a great work ethic. I had a positive attitude. I never complained about the workload. And from afar, I was observing what the, the top loan officers did on a regular basis because they didn't want to talk to me, but I wanted to deserve how they, did, how they were able to be such top producers. And I started doing that. And I remember my first day that I wanted to go out in the field and get loans for the first time. And uh, the, my family friend, the CEO, stops and goes, what are you doing? I'm going, oh, I'm ready to go. I'm going to go out in the field and get loans. And he's like, no, 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 no. You are not ready. Let's get you some more training. Then we'll send you out. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got this. I've got this. Let me go. So I go out. And he was right. I need more training. I was falling on my face left and right. I was getting beat up by these clients. I had no idea what the heck I was doing. But slowly but surely, I started to realize what value I could add to these clients. And once I started to do that, I started to get loans and more loans and more loans and more loans. And two years later, I became a top producer. 
And a lot of these people that didn't want to talk to me when I first got there are now coming to me, ask me questions on how I was able to get so many, so much loans in such a short period of time. And I really, really, really enjoyed the industry for, for many years. And then all of a sudden, 2008, 2009 hit and the economy just tanked. I would get a job in the in the in mortgage industry and the whole company would go belly up and I'd have to get another job and that company would go belly up. And this happened three or four times. So I was really losing the luster of the mortgage industry. And I remember one of the last places I was at, they had this motivational speaker to talk to our sales team to kind of motivate us to get us, get us pumped up. And the guy blew me away. The guy was tremendous. The guy was awesome. So I, I made a point to talk to him after the presentation. And he was very, very gracious. <clears throat> and he started, he told me he started as a life coach. I'm like, life coach, what the heck is that? And he's like, he explained that to me. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe that's what I want to do. So on the side of, of working in the mortgage industry, I started to get my coaching certificate and I started to put it out there that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to get into coaching. And, uh, the, the people in the industry in the mortgage industry were kind of just humoring me. Okay, life coach, whatever, just get loans, whatever, bud. And then um, things started to get serious. Like, started to get my website. I started to get everything going because I wanted to do it on the side. And then the legal team of the mortgage company I was working at got a hold of that. That's what I wanted to do. And, and they're like, "This could be a conflict of interest. Let let me let's let I need to examine this, and we'll I'll, we'll get back to you." And I'm thinking that doesn't sound good. They came back to me with this five-page report, what I couldn't couldn't say. And I looked at this and I go, if I follow this to the T, I'm never going to get any traction in the, in the coaching world. So I thought I'm going to have to make some changes. So I spent a year just paying down my debts, doing everything necessary to get me ready to, to make this leap. Pay down my debts, did everything I needed to do to get everything ready. <clears throat> and a year later, I quit the mortgage industry. And people are like, what in the heck are you doing? You just pre made President's Club in this more in our company. Why would you leave? You're a mortgage loan officer. This life coaching thing, this is a pie in the sky nonsense. And I'm like, no, no, I want to give it a go. Let's go. I'm going to try it. So I, I get into it. And um, I thought for a while that they were right, that I wasn't going to be a good coach because nobody wanted to use me. Nobody wanted to trust me. And I started to realize why that was. How do I expect people to be vulnerable with me if I'm not going to be vulnerable with them? See, the story I told you about me having cerebral palsy, I wanted to bury that story. I didn't want to tell anybody that story because all through growing up, all I wanted to do was fit in. I didn't want to stand out. So if anybody brought up that I was limping or held my right arm differently, I made up some nonsense excuse like softball injury, whatever, because I didn't want to go there. And if I did have to go there, I was near in tears. So I thought, though. I'm like, I'm going to have to own this story because there's no way people are going to trust me if I'm not going to be vulnerable with them. So that's what I did. I, I, um, I, I started to talk about my story and I said, um, and once I started to talk about my story, things started to open up. I, um, I remember my first client saying to me, you know what? I don't have cerebral palsy, but I have this. And I think that with your journey, you can help me. You understand me. And that just started building from there and there and bigger and bigger and bigger. And that brings me here talking to you here, Bob. Wonderful. So, Paul, let me let me ask you to tie this story up for us and, and connect it back to the theme of the podcast, which is healing and spirituality. And I, what 
what really impresses me is the 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 part in your story where you talked about your dominant emotions of anger and sadness and very often in non-western views of healing we talk about the connection between emotions and our state of health so i want you to go back for a moment to to overcoming the cp that was part of the story and talk a little bit about the healing aspect of it and how you believe that that these changes can take place in a formulaic way yeah absolutely so going back to when i, I made that goal of, of going after uh, being a varsity baseball player um that changed my life and it wasn't because i made the team that, that was secondary that was the cherry on top but the way i carried myself the 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 uh the energy i was putting out was much much different i had confidence in myself i i stopped i i let go of that anger and sadness that i was feeling on a daily basis because i was focusing on that goal i let my mind go i let all that energy go because i was focused in on something that was positive and once i started doing that things started opening up for me i became a happier person i became more confident in myself I had more self-worth in, in me. I felt good about myself. And as a result of feeling good about myself, that radiate to everybody else. And they could see or feel this energy that was putting out. And because of that, they started putting a different energy towards me. And like I said, they started rooting for me as opposed to picking on me, all because of the way I carried myself. I had a different aura about me um, because I started to love myself much, much more than I did before. So how would you describe that experience in terms of your healing? What's, what is the formula that you could boil it down to? I think the, I guess the formula that I could, I, I could uh, boil it down to is, is uh, letting go, you know, letting go of these feelings of anger and sadness because they were not doing me any, any good. I let those feelings go. And I, I and I embraced another feeling. I, I embraced another feeling of happiness and self love. And once I started to embrace the self love, things just started opening up for me. Doors started opening up for me because I I really really started to love myself as who I was, not not who I thought I should be or thought I was in the past, who I was in the present moment. And I think that was what just opened things up. And that was my healing that I just embraced who I was as a person, warts and all with a CP. So wonderful. So the, the formula is to let go of anger and sadness and to embrace happiness and self-love on, as I hear it from you. So yes. I, I'm wondering if you can share something with our listeners about how they can do that. How might somebody listening here who maybe has, uh, let's say, that internal dialogue of self-criticism, self-doubt, um, anger, sadness, all of the things that, that go along with a problematic mindset. How does somebody drop that and adopt this alternative way of, of, of self-acceptance? Well, it's definitely a daily practice, and this is what I have my clients do, um, and this is what I do on a daily basis. When I wake up in the morning, before I start my morning routine, whatever that is, I take a few minutes 
to think about what is going well in my life right now. It could be my business. It could be my family. It could be whatever. If I had a crummy day, it could be I'm alive. And I just focus in on that. And I start my day on that because I'm trying to have my mind open up to positive things. Because when your mind's looking out for positive things, positive things are going to flow that your way because you're seeking it out. And it just built from there. Like I could get something on my phone that says, "Up free, you got free coffee. Up, the day keeps getting bigger, better, and better, and better. Because you can go the opposite way, right? You could be driving to work, right? And you could get a flat tire and go, it's just my luck. This would happen to me. I would get a flat tire. Bad things like this always happen to me. And I would say to that individual, yeah, bad things happen to you because you're looking out for those bad things. How many times do you buy a car? And all of a sudden you drive that car all over the all over all over the city. And now you see that same car all over the place. You didn't see it before, but now that you bought this car, you see it all over the place. It's the same thing with your your positive and negative mindset. Your mind seeks what you're looking out for. So it's it's important that we train our mind to look out for the positive things. And the easiest way to do that is have gratitude on what is going well in your life right this moment. It sounds simple, but it's not easy. So do you do you ask your clients to write down these things to make a mental note of it? What what do they do with these um, positive things that they find the this these aspects of gratitude that they've just uncovered? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, at first, especially if they're going bad down that rabbit hole, I definitely have them write it down, but. Um, I want them to do this on a daily basis. So if, if they, don't need, they don't need to write it down every day, but I just want them to focus in on it. And fo- maybe, maybe it could just be one, but I just want them to focus in on one, at least one thing daily so they could uh, have their mind gravitate towards. Because when they gravitate towards these positive things, I'm telling you, they'll, they'll, your mind will start to look out for more positive things and just makes your day greater. Now, I'm not telling everybody to be in this, this false happiness and uh, all the time we're all human beings and we're entitled to feel angry and sad i'm not telling you you can't feel that way you feel your feelings of course but there's going to be a time in your life where you're going to be angry or sad and you're going to be frustrated that you don't want to feel angry and anger and sad anymore and the easiest way to break that is start to focus in on what is going well in your life right now take stock in what is going right in your life right now and that will help you change that mood so let's say that you that I start my day and I begin by taking stock of what I'm grateful for and things are going well or maybe they're neutral and later in the day uh, something comes up that brings up those feelings of anger and sadness again. So is that the time to focus back again? Is that what we're saying? Focus back again on gratitude in that moment? Yeah, of course. But I mean, uh, allow yourself to uh, have grace. I mean, I, you know, when things happen unexpectedly and that make you angry or sad, you got to give yourself grace and not be upset with yourself because this, this upsets you. You're a human being. You should be able to give yourself grace. And once you give yourself a little bit of grace so you can feel those feelings, then that, again, at that point, take stock and go, okay, yeah, this did happen, but this this in my life is going well right now. Let me focus in on this and let me change that mood. But allow yourself grace. Don't feel like you, ha- you can't feel anger and sad because we're human beings. We can feel those feelings. So give yourself grace. So you, you gave us an example in your life 
and we talked about boiling boiling this down to an essential formula. I was wondering if you might have a success story from among your clients that you could briefly describe for us. I do have uh, something that that uh, that we can talk about uh, recently that sticks out in my mind that this happened recently. I had this client come to me. And she was just she was just in a in a in a bad state, and she was going over her story of what was happening since the last time I spoke to her, and I was writing down you know her story, and let her I let her get it out, let her vent it out, let her get it all out, and I went back through her story and started p- pointing out all the positives that that she was missing in her story. What about this? You were doing this well. You were doing this good. You were doing this good. You were doing this good. Because she was so laser focused, tunnel vision, and all the negative things that were happening in her story. She was not looking at some of the positives that were going on in her life, in her story. And I was able to, to uh, bring attention to all the positive things that she was missing. And I'm not saying that she was doing somersaults a- after the session, but you could tell in her voice that she was in a much, much better state from the beginning of the call to the end of the call. And for me, that is a win. The fact that she could see the positive things in her story that she didn't see before the session, and I knew that she felt better about herself. So that that's that's basically what I I do. I try to have somebody come in with the with the story, and I try to break it down and see and and allow them to see that there is some good, there is some positive in that in, in that negative story that they can. They can hone in onto and they can build upon it because it does not have to be their life. They don't have to just go negative and just go down that rabbit hole. There is another way. There's another light. Beautiful. Paul Fortune, tell us about how people can contact you if they want to know more about this. Oh, thank you. So the two easiest ways to do it is is through my website a call to action.coach. I have a, a free guide on there on how you, you can rewrite your story, how I was able to rewrite my story and how you can maximize your day. It's free on my website to go on there and click on it. And then I also developed a Facebook group called rewrite your story. And it's a great place for people to share their stories with us with only support, no judgment. We're there to just to support and lift each other up. We have meetups once a month. We have, we interview great people. So it's a great experience and that's rewrite your story. It's a Facebook group. And those are the two ways to get in touch with me. Wonderful, Paul. Been such a pleasure getting to know you and hear your story. Thank you, Bob. I love the opportunity and I enjoyed our conversation. And thanks everybody for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.